What's up, guys? Welcome into another episode of College Football Uncensored uh, with your host, Chris Marler. That is me. We're joined by a very special guest host, former coworker, current friend, and current Twitter follower of mine, um, which he uh, informed me of right as we started. My good buddy, SEC Mike, Michael Bratton. How are you, man? Hey, buddy. Doing well, man. Uh, just trying to survive the offseason. Yeah. it's. I mean, you. well, you don't ever lack for content, I feel like. But, I mean, it's been... Like, there's a couple things. I feel like Georgia has kept us alive. <laughs> Constant stuff going on. Your yep. boy G. Milton today um, almost killed somebody at Barstool headquarters. Yeah, too bad he didn't. You know what? Uh, South Carolina people have also been up in my mentions about every day. It's It's been about five months since they destroyed Tennessee, yet I got to be reminded about it at least Ten times a day, so. Oh, I'm sorry yeah. about that, man. They they've been keeping me busy now. Yeah, I mean, I felt like an Alabama fan that day, losing a big game. You know what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it happens like once every couple of years, like for sure, for sure. So, um, so I don't want to jump right into your hot takes, um, or bold predictions, um, I, and we'll we'll you know we'll do all the plugs and stuff like that. Mike has a fantastic podcast and YouTube channel. Um, that SEC podcast, it's one of my favorites. I still have the koozie you sent me, which I think you did as a troll before we were friends, but I still I still kept it, which is nice. Oh, I yeah. knew we were gonna be friends one day. Um, all right, let's start with like the only news that has come out today, really. I feel like we open with this team way more than we probably should. That's why we're gonna bounce around the SEC, especially the SEC East a little bit more. But two stories out of Athens today. One, they signed yet another four-star tight end. I'm starting to wonder if Kirby Smart knows he doesn't have to only sign elite level tight ends for that offense because it's getting out of control. Um, they got a three star and a four star both this week, both tight ends. Um, they continue to have the number one recruiting class. I, I, I feel like they're kind of running away with the recruiting class for 2024. What are your thoughts on that? I know you pay attention to recruiting way more than I do. What, what are your thoughts on that on this early? Yeah, safe to say they're speeding away with this uh, <laughs> deal here. You know, I'm curious to know what their driving record looks like. I think that should be a more important question in Athens right now. But, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, Georgia's good at Georgia. I mean, they they spend more in NIL than just about any, but not not more than anybody, but as much as anybody. And, and that's not the main reason, I wouldn't think. I think it's because Kirby's an animal, and he's mm-hmm. been an animal going back to his time in Alabama. And – just he works harder than anybody. I mean, I've been saying it for a while, and, and people just didn't want to hear it. I said Kirby's a better recruiter than Nick Saban, and I, I still believe right. that. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's not to say Nick Saban's not bad because I think he's the greatest of all time, and he's right. at worst number two right now. So, yeah. uh, winning back to back national championships is going to be attractive. Uh, you know, what's interesting is they don't really produce quarterbacks down at Georgia. The only one I can think of is Stafford. So, I don't. Not 100% sure why you'd want to be a quarterback down there other than being surrounded by incredible talent. It's mm-hmm. not to say that uh, they're not going to produce some of these guys they currently got on their roster to be NFL quarterbacks, but I don't know. That's just, for whatever reason, that's not the first place I think of when I'm an elite quarterback to go to school. No, so let's talk about that for a second because I've, I've brought this up on the podcast before and people always get mad at me because it's about Georgia and anything I say about Georgia always seems to kind of be taken the worst way possible. Unless it's like the other day when I was defending them about something. I forgot what it was. I think it was their stadium atmosphere um, with Brandon Walker. And, and, um, and of course, I was in their good graces for, for 12 to 36 hours. But here's the thing. 
So uh, Harry Legee, who I love, we have Ben Diesel, William Gritz, and all Georgia comment section right now, which um, is we're pretty familiar with. But the Dylan Rayola thing, number one overall player in the country, number one QB in the country. We talked about this last week and his commitment and how big it was. We all kind of knew it was coming, right? Um, but at the same time, I, I, I've said this for a while, too. If you're a five-star quarterback, what – what kind of trust do you have in Kirby Smart? Because I don't think Kirby gives a shit what your rank or your ratings are. It's like, it's like, as long as you can play, especially on that side of the ball, because he's a defensive coach anyway. And he knows that he's going to be able to have a defense, even in this day and age of, of, of offensive football, he's going to have a defense that's going to be able to, you know, or fill a unit that gives up less than three scores a game, right? Like it, that consistently. And so I, I don't disagree with you. I, I, Honestly, completely agree with you. If you're a five-star, like he hasn't shown, and Georgia in general hasn't shown, they've done a great job at developing that level of quarterbacks. At some point, that has to even out though, right? Well, maybe the best uh, example is Alabama because I think you could say the same thing. I don't know how long it's been, six, seven years ago. They they didn't really produce any, and then they went on this incredible run, and that uh, fooled everybody to thinking Nick Saban's not past his prime, even though he is. Um, it extended that little run they had. So maybe Kirby's thinking the same thing where, you know, at some time, at some point, my defense is not going to be as elite, but it right. may not matter because I'll have uh, the nation's best offense. Yeah, I tell you what, I that is like, honestly, I, I feel like it's something that I, we talk about a lot. Like people, it's, people sometimes get upset when we talk about Georgia too much because it's like, but it's, I mean, they've dominated the sport. Like they have dominated the sport. They're the clear front runners. I, you and I, as much as we, jokingly disagree about our teams like you're a Tennessee guy I'm a Bama guy um in the 85 percent but I mean like I don't disagree with anything you've said about Saban like I you know the past is prime thing yeah he's fucking 71 he's about to turn 72 this year in October oh you um, definitely disagreed this time last year when I told as I said the same damn thing you, you said it for four fucking years you always do this to me and I'm not going to do this with you this episode because <laughs> you you always see like you and Ben Diesel I, I said this in the last podcast Every time Ben Diesel says something in the comments, I know he's saying it just to get under my skin. And I'm like, I'm not going to fall for that. And then I've like, never done it. Never. <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Um, no, but I, I don't disagree with you. And I, and honestly, like I was kind of shocked to, to see the coaching rankings that have come out this week by a few different publications about the best coach. Cause I think it's Kirby right now. I really do. Like, I, you know, I think if you want to talk about goat status, sure. Saban will have that for, probably the foreseeable future unless Kirby goes on a run. But I tell you the biggest fucking nightmare imaginable is something you just said. That I haven't thought about is if Georgia starts a run at quarterback, like Bama did over the last six years, that's terrifying. Yeah. They'll need some receivers though, too. And yeah. that's only, only maybe red flag. I don't even know if you can even call it a red flag, but one thing that um, I think has really haunted Alabama is just, you look at their roster and, they're having to go to the portal to mm-hmm. shore it up. And when those guys either get hurt or don't live up to the hype, then Alabama doesn't seem to live up to the hype. And that, I think, has been a critical difference with Georgia's success. They have not really needed to go to the portal. I mean, they're they're essentially doing it as luxury, and now you see what they're bringing in at receiver. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm kind of questioning why, why do they have the need to do it. Maybe it's just, again, maybe it's just – a luxury maybe they're just trying to be super loaded but i don't know i i, I don't like that sign that uh, georgia is having to go to the portal to shore up the receiver position like alabama has had to do the last couple of years and and like i said you got an injury here 
or player doesn't live up to the hype and then the 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 whole team doesn't quite live up to the hype so i don't know i i always think that's a sign the portal to me is for teams i don't want to say at the bottom but maybe in the middle where they're trying to catch up to a georgia trying to catch up to an alabama and if Georgia's doing it, I think that's a sign of, of an issue somewhere on that roster to where it, it, sh- it shouldn't be an issue, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I think Bama's on – like I, I say this a lot, there's a natural drop-off in town at some spots. And, and, and you talk about a receiver room that went from Judy and Ruggs to, to Devonta and Waddle and all four guys that are top 15 first-round picks. And, and then you, you still get Mechie, who had a great season, and Jameson Williams, who's also another first-rounder. Um, you're going to have some natural drop-off, but the, they had guys that were ranked as high or higher in, in the recruiting rankings coming out of high school on that roster in 2021 and 2022. I mean, you, you talk about, like, listen, that national championship game against Georgia, I understand the, the injuries at receiver. Bryce Young, if you go back and watch it, which I have not been able to do for a full 60 minutes, um, but if you look at some of those throws he made to – Ajay Hall and some other guys like those guys just they they've done a bad job of developing that position and also the offensive line. But anyway, let's get into another um, situation here because it's one thing that like it's hard to replace. Also, is speed, Michael. Very difficult to replace speed. And another issue where that's a or another place where that's being an issue off the field still is Georgia. And we joke around a lot. And I and I know that like it's the off season. We're slow for news. It's you know it's it's we're this podcast coming out on Thursday. I think May twenty sixth, something like that. Um, but four reckless driving arrests in Athens this year, I'm not trying to like create something where there isn't something. I, I will tell you this, that I've, I've heard since last year that there was an issue with, with the team itself and the players on that team and like a, like a, like a street racing fucking thing going around the team. Like, like it was like, like a, this is a horrible example, but this is the best thing I can think of. Like when I played baseball, we had a ranking system for um, a ping pong table we had in the, in the locker room. And I know that's a very different example, but like this has been something that's going on since last season. And it's something that seems like if you just had a player and, 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 and maybe it's just a one-off, but it doesn't seem like, cause there's been four instance, incidents of it. But if you just had a player that, that, tragically passed from something close to this like it doesn't seem like it should be something that would be hard to say stop doing but it but it is you know right and a staffer i mean killed and two other people could have been killed uh so yeah i mean i i think when you win so much i think the spotlight is is obviously brighter and you know if this was happening at mississippi state would it be getting the attention no i don't think it would be but Again, I mean, Kirby makes a ton of money and he's worth every penny, but it feels like in this regard, he's not doing enough. This from the outside looking in, uh, you would think he would kind of lay down the law a little bit here, but I don't know. To to my knowledge, I don't don't even know if anyone's been suspended for anything. And I I know you can't suspend someone like Jalen Carter, who's off to the NFL, but there's now multiple active players that have been arrested and to my knowledge maybe they are maybe they are suspended indefinitely maybe they're running steps and they'll you know be available for the opener but uh to my knowledge no one's even been suspended yeah i, I mean and i'm not i'm not gonna sit here and, and at all and try to tell kirby how he should run his program and, and i don't know as much into it as, as 
to, to make those assessments. It's just something that's like when you have four and it's like the seemingly the same thing, kids going 90 and a 45, like Jesus Christ, man. Like that's, I mean, that, that is at some point, And I say this somewhat jokingly to, to have some relief from how serious of a thing it is. But I mean, at some point it's like, you're going to have like fucking Uber be like your, your next giant NIL partner, because it's, it's, at some point it's like, you got to put like, I, I remember, I mean, didn't, didn't Mark Rick have to take everyone off of like, like mopeds or some shit um, just to make sure they weren't getting into, into trouble that way. Uh, maybe we get more mopeds. Will that fix it? Maybe. Maybe yeah, we gotta maybe we've got to bring the mopeds back. You know what? Fuck it. Give them unicycles, make them really work for it. <laughs> or like those old tiny, old tiny bicycles that sit way too up high. I think that'd be awesome. <laughs> um, okay. Let's get to more of the sec East. I, I saw a graphic that you made today. Um, and you and cousin Shane, which I haven't talked to him forever, said him my best. Uh, he's, he's your co-host and obviously cousin, great dude. Um, but you guys came out with your sec East specific, I think bold predictions. Right. Um, and I know that we talk about how we're trying to be like more of like a national podcast, but since we have sec Mike on here, we are going to specifically talk about the sec this week, the bold predictions that each of you had team wise, which was, Teams that I think that are people kind of sleeping on. We we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and, and we agreed on one of these teams, um, Mizzou, which I know one of our listeners who's watching right now will will love to hear that. Mizzou getting to 10 wins. I love that. I thought that was a great take. And I started thinking about this too. You saying Kentucky at 10 wins. I didn't, I haven't looked enough into their schedule to to try to like really go game by game and look at it. Tell me what the thought process was behind that. Well, they always play, uh, let's call it what it is, a uh, less than brutal non-conference. So there's four wins right there. Yeah. Uh, they do have to go to Georgia. They play Georgia tougher than anybody in the East seemingly annually. So yeah, uh, that's part of it. Uh, I was leading the train. I said it on national television. I thought Will Levis is a first-round pick. I thought that was a joke. I thought Kentucky being – you know, contenders in the East was a joke. I said they'd finish – I think I said fifth in the East. They, they finished yeah. fourth, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, I was pretty damn close, but uh, a lot of that had to do with Liam Cohen leaving in the middle of the offseason while he's back. Right. I've, I've loved what I've seen from Devin Leary. I think he's a major upgrade. I think he's hell of a lot better college quarterback than Will Levis. I don't I don't know what his pro potential is. I don't really care. I, I cover college football. Yeah. I think – Devin Leary is, is going to be one of the top maybe three, four quarterbacks in the SEC. Ray Davis, they added from Vanderbilt. He was maybe the most underrated running back in the SEC last year. Uh, offensive line, still a huge question mark, but mm -hmm. defense, criminally underrated. They got one of the best defensive coordinators in the SEC and Brad White. Uh, and I, I don't know. I mean, I think they got a lot of winnable games. The The Two that are tricky. They host Tennessee. Tennessee owns them. Yeah. Uh, late in the season, Alabama comes to town. And again, yeah. I'm sleeping on Alabama, I guess. But uh, they just don't look that formidable. And every time they go on the road, hell, they, they look beatable. So mm -hmm. why can't they be beatable late in the season in Lexington? It's going to be cold. Not crazy enough to sit here and say they'll beat Alabama, but I think they could. And if they just get to nine regular season and win a bowl game, I mean, I think 10 is – They've done it. Hell, they this will be the third time in six years. I don't think it's that crazy. No, I, I don't I don't either. I'll tell you what, like I I you and I are gonna argue about this about Bama here, especially here in a second, when you tell me your 
your take because I because you have been saying this for quite some time, and I and I we just fundamentally disagree. Probably for me, based out of fandom, um, more than anything about Alabama. But I will say this: you talk about that Kentucky game specifically. Kentucky gets Bama. I'm pretty sure in between LSU and and someone else like like they they I think they get them the week after Bama plays LSU which is a very big game you have you have in a three-week span because you, you do have the off week when you're Bama at the last week of November or sorry the last week of October you get Tennessee at home and LSU at home so both of your biggest games like emotionally that you have to get up for all season besides Auburn that Texas game will probably be a good game but like your revenge games and you had to hear about it all fucking off season you got those back to back and then on the road at at, at Kentucky, I tell you what it reminds me of is this 2012 Alabama, you know, kind of gutting through up and down the season. You go play LSU on the road and, and like you're, you're in control in the first half. And then all of a sudden the second half or uh, AJ McCarron is like one of seven for zero yards. You have a last minute win to come back and beat them on the road. And it kind of felt like it was like, all right, we're smooth sailing from here on out. The next week you go home and you play some fucking up and coming Texas A&M team with some quarterback a lot of people hadn't really hadn't really seen yet on a national level named Johnny Manziel, and I'm not comparing Devin Leary to Johnny Manziel, but from a like a like you said a college quarterback talent standpoint, I say it all the time: 35 touchdowns and seven picks as a true freshman is not easy to do, and no matter what league you're in, I think they have a major upgraded quarterback, a major upgraded quarterback. I, I could see that being a, a, a trendy upset pick late in the year. Yeah, it's and that's why we've did trap. I mean, I'm trying to think all the damn lists we've had to do this whole season. But number one on trap game in the entire SEC is Alabama at Kentucky late in the season. Everybody's overlooking it. I think it's a mistake. Yeah, I I, um we did trap games a couple weeks ago, and I I don't want to tell you the one I said for Tennessee because I know that you're going to drag me publicly. But I'll tell you off air. Fuck it, I'll tell you it's UTEP. Um, <laughs> but are you talking about the 50 point spread that's going to come out dude so here's the thing that's an 11 win team from a year ago oh, wow. and and they they get them after florida and before south carolina so i just i don't think they're gonna necessarily win i think it's gonna be a closer game than people think anyway we're not here to talk about that um talk about the other team from the sec I'm getting East office I, call that everyone is sleeping on is mizzou and I, here's the reason why I think that like Drinkwitz is a is a offensive mind, right? He's a, he's an offensive minded guy. You have Luther Burden. I know you lose Lovett at the receiver goes going to in the division foe, not rival, but foe Georgia. Um, the schedule's never easy. They get K State at home, which I don't you know. We'll see how they are if they're losing Deuce Vaughn and a couple other guys. But I think Mizzou returns, depending on how you want to look at it, eight or nine. It's eight minimum on defense off a defense that was really good a year ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, getting to 10 wins. I know it's not your take and it's cousin Shane's take, but tell me, tell me your thoughts on that. Because I think that, I think a lot of people are sleeping on Mizzou. Yeah. Returning more production than anybody in the SEC on the defensive side of the ball, like you alluded to. So that's big. Uh, you know, I, the thing with Missouri that's tough to gauge is Brady cook. Just, you know, he looked so average last season, but then it comes out. He had, what I think is called a Liz Frank's uh, shoulder basically hurt it uh, week two or three of the season. So right. it's almost like how the hell do we evaluate this guy if he was really that banged up and he got right. better as the season 
went along. I mean, for a little while, he they had Tennessee on the ropes. They had Georgia on the ropes. Uh, he looked great against Arkansas, which I know was not great, but uh, these are those are big time games for Missouri, and he showed up in those games. So if they get that Brady Cook, and hell, if they don't, they just they've they've got Sam Horn, the young quarterback. They got Jake Garcia, the Miami transfer. So it feels like they'll figure out quarterback one way or another. They've got options. I don't think they had options last yeah. year, and they're bringing in uh, Kirby more much much like Jimbo. No, most most people nationally don't. They just overlook Missouri for whatever reason, but. I'm an SEC guy, so I don't. Uh, first time Drake's ever hired an offensive play caller. He hired Kirby Moore from Fresno State, who his quarterback just got drafted, I think, in the fourth round to the New Orleans Saints. So this guy knows what he's doing. Had yeah. a, a top 25 most efficient offense in the country. If we can get the offense shored up, Blake Baker did a hell of a job with the defense last yeah. year. If they take a similar step like that on offense, offensive line still a a big question mark running yeah. back in my mind is a big question mark as well. But Missouri, you know, people that didn't watch that team, they could have won eight games last year. I mean, they were, they were a handful of plays away from being an eight win football team. They just, they came up short in a lot of the big games, including that Georgia game where uh, there was a big breakaway play. And I think it was Starks for Georgia tracked down the, the Missouri receiver at, at like the one or two yard line, and they yeah, ended up definitely. settling for a field goal. Had they scored a touchdown there, they probably would even win that game. So, yeah. uh, I mean, they're they're close. I, I'm not ready to say ten wins like cousin. Hell, he almost said eleven. He was he was a couple, <laughs> he was a couple beers deep. But I I think eight wins is a realistic option for Missouri. I I, I do think that this team, like like those two teams, if you if you gave me the option right now to say. And, and Maggie Johnson just said here in the comments um, had four loss like Mizzou had four losses that were lost by one possession or less last year. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like there's a lot of alliteration in that sentence, but I think we got through it. Um, I that is like those type of things. Like like I haven't I haven't I made a I made a trek over to Publix today to get get a preseason football magazine and there was none there. But like you talk about the Phil Steele thing, that's like one of the things he always says is like some of these like team stock reports, right? Like like teams that like won several games by like you know one touchdown or less and teams that losses like that shit that usually changes year over year right um i think that with mizzou if you told me that right now if, if i had to take a bet on mizzou or kentucky finishing second in the east and you gave me the odds on it because it's probably plus money versus south carolina and tennessee finishing second in the sec east I would probably take the odds with Kentucky and Mizzou strictly because I don't think South Carolina is going to be able to do it. Tennessee maybe, but if you if you gave me both those two teams, I could I could see either one of those teams kind of going on a run um, this this upcoming season. And Drink kind of has to at this point, right? Well, he just got a contract extension for some damn reason, but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I see where you're going with that. I think both Kentucky and Missouri host Tennessee, so I would mm-hmm. think that's your main competition. For that slot, South Carolina goes to Missouri. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like. Again, Kentucky does catch Alabama this year, so it's an unfortunate schedule for them. I'm sure they would they would trade virtually anybody out of the West for <laughs> Alabama this year. Yeah. But, but uh, no, I, I see where you're going with that, even though you're wrong. <laughs> All right, so – getting into bold predictions because like, like, and we could even, we could even continue talking about the SC East, but I, like, I think you, you posted this today and I, it, I saw it and it triggered me immediately. Cause it was even written in orange. Um, 
But your comment was your bold take is that Tennessee beats Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Now, everyone knows they've heard me talk about it just like incessantly about how close that game was a year ago, all the mistakes that Bama made, all that kind of stuff. I, I understand the outcome of last year's game. The confidence I had going into that game versus the confidence I have going into this game, even though it's at home, it's not better this year. Like I, I think that you know, I'm glad they get him on the road. Or I'm glad they get him at home. We'll see what Joe Milton looks like. But what scares me about a team like Tennessee is that like they have a very big feeling of some of the Auburn teams in the past, where it's like the offense is going to be fun and exciting to watch, and it's going to be hard to keep up pace with with a lot of them. And I mean, like from a play calling standpoint, from a matchup standpoint. I mean, like regardless of how you want to look at it. You had two defensive minds, the coordinator and Saban, Golden and Saban last year, who decided to just continue putting a fucking safety on Jalen Hyatt, who ran a 4-3. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe we put a faster safety on him. I don't know. But they didn't do that for the entire game. I wonder what that looks like going into Tuscaloosa, because if you're talking about a Tennessee team that's 7-0 and going into Tuscaloosa and a Bama team that is 5-1 or, God forbid, somehow 5-2 with a conference loss where you have a chance to end their fucking season before the month of November, that's a terrifying outlook if you're a Bama fan. Let me ask you, Chris, when Nick Saban said there is no such thing as wrong place, wrong time, was he talking about uh, Nate Oates' basketball program or was he talking about Garden Jalen Hyatt? Because, uh, I mean, Hyatt, is, he's made a, a killing off that damn Alabama game. And, and yeah, I mean, I think, that's case in point why I think they're going to do it again. Hell, two years ago, Tennessee, yeah. Tennessee was playing with Alabama with a team that you got to remember had like 25, 26 transfers out, including mm-hmm. one to Alabama. I mean, it was a handcuffed team, and they were going up and down the field on Alabama. I don't, I don't know what it is, but uh, Saban, I don't know. I, I don't think he's got this offense figured out. He's, he certainly doesn't. So, I mean, that's I, what, that's what concerns more anything is that is the, I hate to say this because he's a better coach than Josh Heupel, but he didn't have an answer for it for 60 minutes last year. No. And I mean, now that they have all these issues with their own quarterback, I mean, can, the, can you confidently say they're going to score 35 points in a football game against the SEC defense? I mean, maybe, maybe you can, but maybe you can't. What if we get to 40? What if we get to 45? Can they go up and down the field? And yeah. And again, I'm not sitting here saying Joe Milton. I'm not. I'm not fully bought into him like a lot of people are. He may not even be the quarterback at that time of year, but I think he would have to be to go down to Tuscaloosa and beat him. I think yeah. it, it's unlikely a true freshman is going to do that, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. But uh, one thing that uh, I don't think enough people are talking about, and I I don't know how big of an impact this will have, but they've obviously changed the college football rules where the clock is still going to run on a first down. I think that her, helps Tennessee more than any team in really? the SEC because, you know, it won't be a, by a huge factor, but uh-huh. it, it's less snaps that defense is going to have to face. Right. Because Tennessee's still going to run tempo, but it's just it's going to milk the clock a little bit more. Again, the, the less amount of snaps Tennessee's defense has to face in a football game, the better. Um, I, I think that's something that's being overlooked. I mean, Ole Miss, same deal. They'll be helped. Hugh Freeze, I think, is going to run very similar offense, so they'll be helped as well. But I don't know that anybody runs it as efficiently as uh, Josh Heupel. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that even. Um, yeah, I don't know if that is – God damn it. 
Oh, never mind. It was, a, it was a catch at the warning track. Um, I don't know how that looks. It, you know, it's like we're we're obviously we're about ninety five days away from the season in general. Um, I think that like there's so many things that could still happen, but but as of right now, like I, the the whole thing about Bama being formidable, I think one thing that people are forgetting a lot is that defense is going to be a lot better than people think. But in this specific game, the Tennessee thing, I, I, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I remember tweeting this, and I remember like I, I don't have to delete it now because my entire fucking account got deleted from Elon. Um, but I mean, I remember tweeting this <laughs> at the end of, or in like the fourth quarter against y'all in 2021. And I was like, are we about to get beat by Tennessee? And then Bam ends up winning by, I think 24 points. It was like 52 to 28 or something like that. And and then I'm of course talking shit afterwards. And you were like, is this you, is this you saying this? You're going to get beat like an hour and a half ago. I was like, shut up, Mike, you dickhead. Um, let me ask you a question of this and, and, and staying in the SC East, the Florida Gators this year, like Sell me on them, and some. I don't think it's a hard sell of a Tennessee because the offense of the people that they're they're going to have, and I I don't know if it's a plug and play necessarily in year three of Hypo, but like the Florida situation seems pretty bleak right now. Or, or, or are we all just overreacting? Yeah, if you're looking for someone to sell you on the Gators, you're talking to the wrong guy because I've been yeah. saying for a while. I mean, I think they're in for a rough season. Hell, they had the number four overall pick in the draft, and they could. I mean, if he didn't bail them out, they had nothing last year. Now, they've got some good running backs, so I'll give them that. Uh, receivers, okay. I mean, I, the offensive line, you're replacing four of the five starting, including, uh, you know, your three best offensive linemen. So, I mean, that I think it's going to be a nightmare on offense. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't think SEC is too much for Billy Napier, but you could kind of convince me of it after – uh, they lost to Vanderbilt last year. I mean, that, that was a damning loss. I mean, that's where we're at, Chris. I mean, Vanderbilt at home is a must-win situation. And I know Vanderbilt's better, so it's not like that's – I'm not trying to be completely disrespectful, but no Florida coach at any point in his career should be going into a home game against Vanderbilt and saying this is going to be the, the game that could get me fired. Yet that's yeah. where we're at with Billy Napier. And, and it, year you know, two. Maybe, maybe – uh, Maybe we're overreacting, like you said, but opening at Utah, closing against Florida State, which I don't have a ton of respect for Florida State, but e- even if they're like half of what people are selling, I mean, this, that's probably yeah. the toughest non-conference schedule anybody's got in the country, and the East has improved all around Florida, so there's mm. not any gimmies, I don't think. Okay, let me ask you this, too, like because because like, I don't think you're wrong about the East necessarily. I think you're wrong about – most of the stuff that you that you talk about in your life, like especially from a, moral, a morality standpoint, that's different. We talk about that off air. Um, and I love that you're just nodding your head. Um, but no, I mean, like the Florida thing is, is like the, the thing you just brought up, the four out of five offensive linemen, I think is a much bigger deal than anything else because the best player they have on offense right now is a running back. And he's a sophomore, right? Like, so like, well, who's he going to fucking run behind? The defense, maybe it gets better, but they lost a ton of guys again. Like I just, the... I think the East is is not stronger than the West. I, I really don't, and I mean that in 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 specifically the in the East had a draft. winning record against the West uh, last year. I'm sure. I, I'm saying that like just like '90s rap, I think the West is going to have a bounce back season, and I think that they are going to have a better year. I think than top to bottom. I, I think if you told me right now how many teams have a losing record in the East, I think Florida and Vandy have a losing record. I'm not convinced Florida doesn't finish seventh in that in that division. Um, the only teams I'm really super concerned about from the West, maybe is really Arkansas to finish below 500. Um, I mean, like I, I know you said that they have like 
like, and I hate to say that because, you know, we love Raheem Sanders. We love KJ Jefferson. Like, top to bottom right now, which is the stronger side of the division or stronger side of the conference uh, from each division in the SEC? Mm, I mean, I, hell, I don't know. It could be the East because I think Tennessee could be better than anybody in the West potentially. Now, probably not, but they could be. And hell, I certainly think Georgia is. So, Maybe a little top heavy, yeah, but you want to talk about the bottom, yeah. I mean, how good is Auburn going to be? I'm kind of I'm buying the hype. How good is Mississippi State going to be? Florida does play Arkansas this year, so maybe that'll give us a, a clear indication. But I, I think you look at the over unders, right? So I think in the West, they're all yeah. around seven, seven and a half, and they're the East, six, six and a half outside mm-hmm. of the, the teams at the top. So yeah, you might be onto something, but I don't think it's by a very wide margin. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Um, we're going to close with this. It's a very short episode today. Vanderpump Rules has a very big finale or a reunion episode I have to get into because it's crazy. Uh, Raquel is a, is a hoe, and we have to listen to all that kind of stuff um, coming up here on Bravo. So let's get into something I think is going to be um, just a very important discussion, and I don't think our listeners and viewers will plummet at the moment I mention it. But – we got into a discussion. I, I think it's like the season. This is like the season right now of lists, right? It's like, it's, this is how there's like nothing else to talk about. Cause we're still a hundred days away from actual football. Um, so it's list season. And one of my least favorite things in all of college football is watching big game boomer post in <laughs> an Excel sheet, the dumbest fucking 50 things possible um, in like, you know, on Twitter every other day. So I figured instead of complaining about it openly or telling him he's stupid, um, what I want to do is make an even worse list, Mike. And so today's list, top 10 college football mascots you would least want to send you a feet pick from. I like how you like mock the guy and then you're like, I could be worse than him. <laughs> if you can't beat him, ruin your career. So what, a, what a low bar we got going here. Yeah, I'm just trying to limbo under the the precedent that he has set. Um, no, I thought this would be fun just because, you know, listen, we talked about this a while back on uh, on an episode um, that how prevalent feet picks are now, which is, I think, weird as shit. But, I mean, you're not going to kink shim anybody to each their own. I came up with a list mm-hmm. of the 10 worst feet from mascots. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Good, because it's really important. Um, hold on. Where's it at? Where'd it go? Okay, here you go. The Spurs up guys got to be up there, right? Which one? The the Spur, what, the Gamecock. Yes, he is number five. Thank you. Um, here's here's so this is again least least want to send you feet picks. The Mountaineer from West Virginia. I don't think anybody Ooh. from West Virginia has great hygiene. I'm not trying to see all that, and it's also it seems like it's always raining in West Virginia for some reason. Mm, okay, yeah. So it's 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 going to be muddy. It's going to be dingy yeah it's gonna be moldy i got you yeah gross it probably smells like a little bit like moonshine and i think that might be the only redeeming quality of his feet so there's mm. one that's number 10 number nine albert and alberta from florida have you like alligators are gross in general but if you've ever seen what these alligators look like i don't know how to add this to the screen that's why i need tyler here um i mean painting a alligator's nails is absolutely fucking terrifying yeah and i gotta imagine they're dry as hell too yeah, also true. Also true. Um, that's number nine. Number eight, 
Bevo. No thanks. I'm good mm. on that. It's, didn't he try to kill Uga the other a couple years ago? Again, that's the only redeeming quality. Little did we know that we were going to like that from him because of how Georgia fans started reacting. You know what I mean? Also, if we're being honest, like I, I'm like I think this is probably because I'm a little bit biased, uh, you know, uh, uh, with how no. Georgia fans talk to me. But no. I'm a huge dog lover. Everyone knows that. But bulldogs are so. You have loved some dogs, that's for sure. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you're talking about my dating life or what, but yeah, either way it plays. Um, I. Bulldogs are disgusting. They, it's just like it's like if Danny DeVito was walking upstairs nonstop. That's how they live their entire life. Um, number seven, Petey the Pirate. I'm not familiar with him. From ECU. Again, I, anybody that has to like wear le- that much leather in the heat and also the mugginess of like where like you're, if you're sailing around the Caribbean all the time. I know it's, it's East Carolina's mascot. But I just feel like pirates also probably didn't have the best level of hygiene, mainly because they were drunk all the time and they were always getting in the ba- in the trouble. And I can almost guarantee if he's at ECU, he's got an STD for sure. For sh- and I'm glad you said it, not me. I don't know if you can get chlamydia on your toes, but I wouldn't put it past him. Put put it past Petey. Right. Uh, number five, cocky. One of the ugliest mascots imaginable, and I mean the actual Gamecock itself. I don't know what's going on with that neck situation. It's like that that old balls from Big Daddy. I think that's gross. I don't like that at all. Um, also, so lice were rampant on ships, so they probably have crabs at ECU too. But Cocky also has like those talons, which I don't like. Mm-hmm. Talons freak me out. No, I'm just thinking of the damage he would just do with that. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Um I'll tell you another one. This is an underrated one. Traveler Trojan. And that is the, the mascot from USC. Strictly because this asshole is wearing sandals constantly. And I don't want to see your dusty ass feet if you're wearing sandals all the time. Hmm. Well, in my experience, the uh, the people that wear sandals in college, they're, they're they're usually a good time. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. I don't know what that means, but okay. All right, in your top three. I don't know why this is the name of this this mascot, but Testudo, which I believe is Spanish for Despacito, um, Maryland's mascot. I I think maybe because I just ever since Ninja Turtles two Secret of the Ooze, I've been grossed out by turtles because of that one that was like overgrown. But I feel like this would be gross. Turtles also don't seem super kind. Wait, are you talking? Why why do they? Why would they name the turtle all that? I don't understand. I don't either. I don't. I didn't look into it. I think I was going to learn about the the, the actual <laughs> university. Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot. We're we're just we're lowering the bar here. Sorry. Yeah, number two, and it should be number one. Sparky. Okay. The the mascot from Arizona State. I just like hmm. first off that grin on his face is fucking super weird. Okay, super creepy, super weird, and on top of that. I mean, if you have you ever seen someone's feet when they're walking on fire, it look like Seal's face. <laughs> I can't I can't say anything after that one. Okay, all right. Last but not least, the last mascot I would ever want to send me feet pick the leprechaun from Notre Dame. One because I hate Notre Dame. Two, I've I've seen Lord of the Rings or at least part of it. And I don't want any I don't want any Hobbit feet in my iCloud. You know what I mean? No, that's a that's an excellent point, Chris. Uh... He certainly does have hobbit feet. I'll give him that. But uh, I bet he, he likes to drink. So 
if nothing else, he's probably sending out quite a few feet picks if I had to think about it. it that was exactly what my mind was going to I'm sure he's just fucking like <laughs> making it rain with feet picks. Mm-hmm. Mike, you've been a tremendous sport um, listening to our our stories and tales of, of feet pick and all that kind of, or feet picks and all that kind of stuff. Um, like I said, man, I really appreciate you joining us. You've been a great co-host and uh, taking the time out to do this. Also, a phenomenal podcast. It's one of the very few that I, <laughs> I listen to outside of ours and I have to make clips, but it's really great content. It never stops. Make sure you follow him on Twitter and also his podcast. Tell everyone where they can find you and all that good stuff, man. Yeah, nearly an hour. I was told this was going to be a short one, but uh, uh, yeah, it's forty minutes. That's fine, right? Oh, okay. I owe you. Whatever that, you want to have me back on your podcast, which uh, I'm sure you don't. No, you could pay me back by never coming back on. But uh, <laughs> it's called that SEC podcast, available on all podcasting platforms. The highest rated SEC podcast on Apple and Spotify. Just past ten thousand on YouTube. So you can follow us there, or just search SEC Mike, and you'll see more of my stupid stuff. Awesome. All right, dude. Well, we'll get you out of here. We appreciate it, and I will talk to you soon. All righty. Bye-bye.